Suit yourself. Real-time scenarios with real residents. Hi, Dr. Fedorova. I'm Dr. Jones, and I'm going to ask you some questions about cases you're likely to come across in the future. I'd like you to tell me what you would do for these patients, just as you would in your real practice. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask. But if I tell you that something isn't important, you can believe me. There are no trick questions. Let's get started. Your next patient is a 22-year-old gentleman who's coming to the trauma bay. He is yelling that he's been shot. He has an airway that's intact to voice, breath sounds that are clear and equal bilateral. He has pulses that are strong and equal in all four extremities. He has a GCS of 15, and his pupils are equal, round, and reactive. You fully expose him and do a full secondary survey that demonstrates a gunshot wound in his left lower quadrant near the anterior axillary line and several centimeters above the anterior superior iliac spine. It is not actively bleeding externally, but is very tender to touch. There does not appear to be an exit wound and there is no gross blood on your rectal exam. Where do we go from here? All right. Um, well, I first would like to know what his vitals are and um, concomitantly, I would like to order a full set of labs. Sure. So your labs are sent off. They'll take a little time to come back. He has a heart rate in the 130s and a blood pressure of 90 over 70. He's oxygenating 100% on room air. At this point, I would like to examine the wound, but I would also plan to take him to the operating room for um, an exploratory laparotomy. So in examining the wound, you put a finger inside it and feel obvious disruption of the fascia with your finger inside the peritoneal cavity, and he yells at you. You get him to the operating room. He is intubated and sedated. You prep widely, and you start with an exploratory laparotomy with a large midline incision from xiphoid to pubis. Correct. Once you open, you find a large amount of blood, certainly in excess of a liter. What's next? Well, I would like to ask my anesthesia providers to start blood transfusion for him. Um, I would assume that I already have given him one liter bolus and also started blood in a um, trauma bay, but I would like to continue resuscitation with blood. Um, and then I would start um, uh, evacuating the blood from the abdomen and then packing it in a systematic manner. Okay. You are able to pack off four quadrants and this appears to stem the tide of the bleeding. You rapidly unpack the areas that are far away from the gunshot wound and find that there's no significant bleeding or obvious injury in the right lower quadrant, the right upper quadrant, or the left upper quadrant. When you attempt to unpack the left lower quadrant, immediately there's another torrent of blood and you repack it. What's next? I see. Um, well, um, at this point, we can um, take a look at the rest of his bowel while we don't have an active bleeding going on and left lower quadrant is packed. 
I also would uh, like to perform a Maddox maneuver and move his um, um, bowel to the right side to expose the aorta um, because I'm um, thinking that this rapid bleeding might be um, from the iliac vessels and I might need to clamp the aorta to um, repair the, uh, the site. Okay, so again, you don't identify any other injuries elsewhere, but you do perform a left medial visceral rotation and you're able to easily expose the aorta um, uh, along its extent and uh, the bifurcation for about three centimeters down onto the common iliac. If you try to remove the packs at this point, again, it continues to bleed. Yeah. Where are you going to clamp? Um, I would like to um, just uh, clamp the uh, descending aorta. Um, alternatively, I would also per perhaps uh, consider a ribal placement, but uh, if he's stable, I would just clamp it temporarily. Where are you going to clamp it? Um, just at the descending aorta, uh, um, descending aorta right before the bifurcation of the uh, iliac vessels. And once I will identify that it's, you know, an iliac, the um, internal or perhaps an external iliac, then I can reclamp further down. Okay, so you clamp just above the bifurcation and uh, carefully unpack. Once again, you find there's a small amount of bleeding, but not at all the torrent that you had before. You find that there is an obvious defect as you continue to mobilize the bowel out of the left lower quadrant in the proximal external iliac artery on the left and a much larger defect on the iliac vein on the left. You get your clamp on the common iliac artery. Um, and of course that continues to stem the tide nicely for the iliac artery. With direct pressure on those points, you're able to keep the bleeding from being too significant. What are you gonna do in terms of damage control? Okay. Um, I also would like to know what is the um, exact um, uh, circumference uh, or the extent of the injury. You said that the on the proximal external there was a small, um, and then the vein had a pretty extensive one. Was it over a fifty percent circumference? Sure. So the vein is nearly transected, well over fifty percent of the circumference. The artery is probably close to fifty percent of the circumference. And what is the stability of the patient? Uh, you've been in the operating room for about two and a half hours now, and he is diffusely oozy. He's 34 degrees and has a pH of 7.25. So at this point, um, I will um, just um, staple across the vein and um, I will attempt the primary repair of the artery. And um, if I'm able to get that done quickly, um, um, we'll leave him the way he is at that point and then transfer him to the ICU for further resuscitation because I think he's developing overall um, decompensation and, and um, kind of morbid triad. Okay, thank you.
okay, so I thought she had the content and she was making reasonable moves, but Dr. Tenori, it seemed like Dr. Fedorova was just sort of generally unsure during this. Why? I can't even place it. Why does it sound like that? I agree. I think she had a lot of the right answers, but I noticed she kept saying the phrase, I would like to. I think when you use terms like I would like to, or I could, it really sets doubt in my mind whether or not you really know what you want to do. Yeah, that's fair. It does give you that tone. I know the other thing that you're going to comment on was the fact that she said the Maddox maneuver. I think that opens you up for a very specific questions. And if you're going to name drop a maneuver, you better know the exact way to say it. So left medial visceral rotation in this case, instead of throwing somebody in there. Then there you go. No follow-up questions from that. Excellent. Today we get to talk about one of the most exciting topics in surgery, the damage control laparotomy. Ekaterina hit on a lot of points, but what you want to think about in this scenario is how to approach things systematically. As long as you're in the operating room, you can kind of already consider that you've done your ABCs, etc. So here you're going to be faced with a scenario where you open the belly and then you're going to be faced with either a lot of blood or a lot of succus or both. So key terms that you should say is that you're going to pack all four quadrants and then you want to talk about removing packs in a systematic fashion quadrant by quadrant. You really want to say those key terms. If you have a lot of uh, blood, your number one priority in the damage control laparotomy is going to be hemorrhage control. After you have hemorrhage control, the second thing is going to be contamination control and then temporary closure. The key thing that you need to be thinking about is when is the patient not stable or suitable to continue with the operation. And so you really need to ask your anesthesia colleagues about coagulopathy and hypothermia. Those things should always be guiding your decision-making. When you're talking about vascular injuries, like in this case, you definitely want to mention that you're going to get proximal distal control over whatever vessel that you're dealing with. Arteries should not be repaired definitively at the time of damage control. You really want to patch things or shunt things or ligate things, but you really don't want to be putting in big grafts or anything like that unless absolutely necessary. The veins pretty much, except for two, should all be ligated if they're severely damaged. And those two, which are critical to know, are the portal vein and the suprarenal IVC. Those really have to be patched and preserved or shunted if possible. Lastly, um, anytime you have a lot of contamination, the goal is to just control the contamination and get out. You're not trying to do any kind of anastomosis or anything like that at these cases. Small injuries in any bowel can be stitched closed primarily. If you have a big hole in something or, or, or an organ is not able to be salvaged, what you want to do is resect it. It's okay to leave the patient in discontinuity for up to 72 hours. And then you return to the operating room at that time. As long as you can go through those steps and pivot depending on what you find, then you will be fine. But you can always get out of the operating room and get the patient to the ICU. And typically you'll do well on the scenario if you can do that. 